This is Inner Healing Paths podcast. Here we discuss the healing of the mind, body, soul, and spirit through a variety of different paths. We have emotional and spiritually minded conversations centering on ancestral healing, psychology, astrology, yoga, meditation, magic, and indigenous spiritual practices of the world. I am your host, Rosa Shetty, and I am so happy you are here. Welcome. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Rosa, and this episode is with Dr. Crystal Frazzi. She is a doctor in physical therapy and an expert on burnout and recovery in women. Crystal came on the podcast and shared so much wisdom and knowledge about the importance of connecting to our bodies. Crystal describes the transmission of generational patterns of self-sacrifice, depletion, and perfectionism often received by our mothers and grandmothers. Crystal also shares on the specific somatic tool that she has developed to help her clients heal and also prevent burnout. If you find this episode helpful and healing on your journey, don't forget to subscribe, share, and leave me a review here on Apple Podcasts. Also, don't forget to sign up for my Patreon community, which is $10 a month. We meet monthly to talk about different topics related to healing the mind, the heart, the spirit, and we meet live and it's been an opportunity to get to know so many of you and I look forward to each month continuing to connect with you all. Please know that this episode does not treat or diagnose any physical or mental health condition. This episode does not substitute for healthcare or mental health services of any kind. Guests have a right to share their opinion and perspective, and this does not constitute an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. So without further ado, here is my interview with Crystal Fruzzi. Take a listen. Hi, Crystal. Welcome to the Inner Healing Paths podcast. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for your time and for your patience. I know we've been going back and forth. <laughs> There's mm-hmm. a lot of things that have happened personally and scheduling, and we're both busy women. So it's just been hard, but we made it. <laughs> Yay. This we, is life, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. We finally made it happen. So, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Let's start with that and just the healing work that you do. Wonderful. Thank you for asking. And let's see, I'm Dr. Crystal Brzee. I um, help professional women kind of through a spectrum from in or the brink of burnout and then out of that cycle. And then beyond that, in more of a leadership advisor Mm. capacity. So, you know, I feel like if we imagine that there's a match and that's Mm -hmm. us when we're well energized and, you know, resourced from an inner perspective and grounded in who we are and our vision for our life. And we feel like we're executing it. That match is burning. Right. Mm. And then lots of things can happen Mm -hmm. that that match, you know, that spark dims out. And that's really kind of the metaphor that I feel like women feel when they are overwhelmed, their life demands exceed their resources and the match is burned out. It's gone, you know? And so I help that like reignite. And then from there, how to expand capacity and add more in and, and then continue to step in and clarify what's that vision and how are you going to get there and remain resilient? Okay. Yeah. That, that I can relate to everything you said and the visual <laughs> of the match burning. Yeah. That really spoke to me now. Uh, tell, tell us a little bit about how your journey started. How did you get on this, on this path in helping uh, others? Well, I think that that's an interesting question. I have been sort of a caretaker and helper my whole life. I grew up with um, a mother that mm-hmm. I'm still very connected with, but had um, 
undiagnosed mental illness and undiagnosed Mm -hmm. um, like chronic autoimmune diseases when Mm -hmm. I was a child. And I think they're just in general, a lot of mental illness. My family is very um, military based and, you know, all, Mm -hmm. all of the older men, my grandfathers and uncles and everything Mm -hmm. served. And so I think I just, you know, coped with that as a child by adapting to their needs. And I've been a caretaker since I think day one, honestly. Mm. Um, But then, you know, I sought out a career in the medical field. Mm-hmm. and um, specialized in women's chronic pain for for most of that time. And I just felt like I was handing on a silver platter the tools women needed to recover these chronic pain conditions. And I got mm. so frustrated one day and I realized it wasn't a lack of access or a lack of knowledge. I mean, it is for some people, for sure. There's disadvantaged people dealing with chronic illnesses, but but the clients I was one-on-one working with, you know, they had the resources to pay me. They had my attention and the education and the proven methodologies, but they weren't able to implement it. And the reasons were more cultural. It was a lack of worthiness. It was not feeling like they could take the time to do it away from other things. Just, just really claiming that that's the vision they had for themselves. Yeah. And that just awoke in me. Um, this really strong desire to change my focus and really address that, like that thing, the elephant in the room that's in women's lives. Um, And that put me more in a path of, you know, executive life coaching or, you know, whatever we call this, uh, but working with professional women. And, um, and it's just been an amazing shift because it's helped me grow as a person. You know, there's that whole learn uh, teach what you what you want to learn, and um, it's just been a beautiful resource for me. All of this has because I've had my own chronic health challenges um, with a chronic health diagnosis of my own in 2019, and dealing with my own burnout. As um, you know, I kind of suddenly became a primary breadwinner in my household with. Um, two really small kids at that time, babies. And in addition to my coaching agency, I added another full-time job. So, you know, using the tools that I had to help me through the intensity of that time. Yeah. You know, I want to go back to something that you said, because I think everything that you, you know, just your your journey really in, in doing what you do now is something that regardless of the you know, where we come from our profession or what we do for, for work. I think so many women can relate to that, especially when you mentioned just being a caregiver from the very beginning, you know, you, you had almost like this generational pattern that was just kind of brought onto you, the cycle, right. Of now you're the caregiver because all the, the, the men, you know, are, are preoccupied with something else or, or they have their you know, they're, they all served. So they have their own traumas and they're all, you know, their own difficulties that in your role as a caregiver, I think that is such a huge component uh, for so many women, for, for just people in general, you know, but mm-hmm. I, I hear, I also work with a lot of women in and in in that's, that's the theme, you know, and when we really look into, into the origin of that, for most of us, it's almost like an unofficial role, right? Mm, that we are absolutely. given as yeah. children, especially I'm the oldest in my family. So I see that a lot for, for the oldest. Mm-hmm. So I just want to yeah. point that out. That is fascinating. I think so many women can relate to that. And for you, how did, how do you think that that role, that generational pattern that was kind of placed onto you, how did that influence your, your, your work, you know, or your journey in, in becoming the, you know, the, the a doctor initially, you know, working with chronic pain and then now the, the, the work with burnout that you do? Well, if I go back, if it's okay to some of the yeah. things you said, that'll actually help answer that question. Um, is now you're a mental health provider and, and, and for the listeners, I'm not, my doctorate Mm -hmm. is in physical therapy. My medical career has been almost 15 years now of women's specific health and 
lots of dual certifications, postgraduate mm-hmm. trainings, and like more of a functional medicine approach. Yeah. Um, but um, so I kind of come from the perspective that as young girls, you know, I want to say Western society, but, but probably much more broadly mm-hmm. than that, but I don't want to speak in cultures I'm not educated in, but we're expected to be small and quiet, obedient, selfless, and caretaking from childhood, right? Um, my, my mother, you know, who is very caring and loving, but gives my daughters baby dolls, but doesn't give my nephew baby dolls, right? So there's something culturally where we expect those things of young girls. And I call this term in my practice, um, the perfection paradox, because in addition to those expectations that I listed that get imposed on you, if you're identified as a female at birth, It's also that you do those things with a smile and without complaining and that you are nearly perfect in all those roles. And that's just as a child. So then as we get older, we add on other responsibilities, you know, you're a student or you're an athlete or you're involved in these other things. Then maybe you get your first job, you know, then you're in a relationship, then eventually you become a homeowner, you're pursuing your career as we add on these responsibilities on our shoulders, those initial identity perspectives that are largely um, nonverbal, we just pick them up from family and cultural cues. They drive us to strive for perfection in those, yet we'll never get it. And so for that reason, I feel like, and I don't know, you can comment where you feel at this, But women have a very unique, complex trauma that they're exposed to because we're held to a standard that's not possible to reach. And I know that males also have a standard, but it's a different one. And I'm not an expert in that, you know. Um, So, yeah, I really think that women in each generation has their own unique flavor of this. But I feel like all women at least that I've worked with, we can unearth some complex trauma that plays out in their current lives, you know? Yeah. So I wanted to touch on the perfectionism that you were talking about. And I just feel that, you know, especially for the younger generations, I think, you know, I'm just curious uh, to see how, how it evolves, you know, over the next 10, 20 years, just because for me, I was born in the eighties and, it already feel, feels so um, unattainable, right? When we look at these social media images and TikTok and everything that we're bombarded with on a daily basis, I, I could see how just that in and of itself is so exhausting. <laughs> so I could see how when we add that layer of perfectionism to everything else that we already have going on in our lives, I, I, I just get the sense that we're, we're, navigating a world of just exhausted people. Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. This brings up like so many different facets. And I think, I mean, even I remember when I went from a flip phone to a smartphone, right? Or I mean, all the technology changes. It's just so fascinating how one piece of technology actually changes the way we live our lives. You know, and I think from like this perspective about how it influences mental health and contributes to burnout, there's two things that for the Mm -hmm. listeners, you know, to kind of consider as like a little pearl because the technology you're right is just going to keep on progressing self-driving cars and, you know, whatever else is going to happen. Um, but really, you know, one piece that I'm really passionate about is that women, especially, benefit from cultivating body wisdom, which is Mm -hmm. simply just saying that you check Mm -hmm. in with your body to ask, what am I feeling? And that can be physical sensation, Mm -hmm. which we're really good at. Like, Mm -hmm. is it pain? We, we, we quick to rate it, like identify pain, but discomfort, tension, um, you know, feeling warm or cold, something like that. Emotional, feeling of anxiety, feeling of fear. Where is that? Is it in your chest? Is it in your Mm -hmm. throat? Is it in your belly? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, mentally. So like mental function, like, am I focused? Am I creative? Can I think through this? And that ability, that body wisdom to just take a moment and ask. So listeners, you can do this. Like, what am I feeling right now? What is my check-in is what I call it. 
And to be able to identify those things from, you know, throughout your day, especially while you're using technology can really tell you a lot because as you're going through different things and whether we're talking about emotionally or physiologically, you're going to experience stress differently, right? At one point of the day, you're more resilient and you can you know, interact with something, a a technology or, or someone cutting you off in your car and you can recover so much more quickly. And at a different point in your day, you know, your reserves are taxed and that's going to be different. So Mm -hmm. that discernment is where I think, especially the young people have Mm -hmm. such an opportunity to learn those skills. Mm -hmm. And for any listener to know that, that's how we, you know, integrate this technology into our lives so that it doesn't um, disrupt our lives. That's how we know when to put it down and go to sleep. Absolutely. Yeah. To, <laughs> to take a pause, right. Take a break and, and to be able to have the mindfulness to do that throughout your day. is so hard. <laughs> it's so hard. It's and so hard with all the technology, yeah. right. Getting our attention and people and tasks that we need to get to. Well, yeah, you remind me of a book that I read recently that was really good. It's called Dopamine Nation. And Mm. just the way that kids get technology so young. And even as adults, though, you know, the constant notifications, it really is satisfying. You get this little momentary dopamine hit. Mm. And that is the same thing as a little hit of cocaine. What she does in the book Mm -hmm. is she talks about how we morally rate addictions differently, but really being a sex addict or Mm. whatever addict is no different than a technology addict. That's so fascinating. I need to check that, check that out. That book. Dopamine Dopamine Nation. Yeah. It's really cool. One of the things that came to mind is when you mentioned technology and taking breaks. And even for me, you know, I, I try to be mindful. I, I talk to my clients about this and it's, it's such an integral part of healing, especially when it comes uh, to trauma survivors, it, being able to take that break and, and incorporating mindfulness is, is key, is critical. Uh, and yet for me, it is, it is very hard um, because, you know, you get so involved in what you're doing is so just the, the other day. I bought a new office chair. I was using it all day, t- testing it out. And it wasn't until, you know, and, I, and of course I was busy, I was testing it out, but, you know, working. Right. Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't until my husband later on came by and said, so how's the chair working, working out. And I realized that it was so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So that, <laughs> you know, and so that, what, what that told me is that I was checked out. Right. I mean, and it wasn't until I took a pause and a break that I was able to notice my body and the discomfort of that new chair. And and I feel that's like you said, technology and everything that is trying to get our attention, that's what it does, right? It takes us away from our body, from the mindfulness or in connection to our body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that the check-in skill is, I want to just acknowledge for the listeners yeah. that it's advanced. I work with yeah. really, really smart, mm-hmm. capable and successful yeah. women. They can run companies, families, all the things. And yet Mm -hmm. when I say, what do you feel right now? Crickets, right? Absolutely. It's not a personal failing. It's that it's that adaptive coping of finding safety as a little person by first prioritizing, how does everybody else feel? What does everybody else in my environment right now need? Mm, And we really get so attuned to the outward focus. And less, less attuned to the inward focus. And it's just literally like a part of the brain that's underdeveloped. Yeah. It's, it takes a lot of rewiring, right. Yes. To learn to check in with our body. Absolutely. Or even the vocabulary. Literally, I have a vocabulary sheet. It's a, it's like four sheets of Mm. physical sensations, emotional sensations, and like mental states. So they can start to like find those words. And I think whenever we're learning something new, so I would encourage all the listeners to try this, but to put it into a routine and it's more like blended into Mm. another activity. So when you're making your tea, when you're brushing your teeth, 
when you close your computer for the day, you know, transition points before you have a meal. Um, if you just make it a part of that, then it's happening in your day. If you have to remember it, you know, it's just not going to happen. There's too many things to remember. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for one normalizing this lack of somatic awareness that yeah. so many of us have, regardless of what we do. And, and for that, that suggestion, that tip of uh, to incorporate this. And I think that is the key, right? To incorporate it, not as a, an added thing to do, uh, because it could feel that way, right? Especially if you're busy and we're trying to get to so many other things. Um, like, okay, there's another thing now that I need to do. I need to incorporate this this technique or this mindfulness, but to to use it in what we are already doing, right? Brushing our teeth, closing our computer, we're going to do that anyway. So it would be so much easier to just bring in that element of of taking a pause and connecting with yourself, with your body. Absolutely. And here's the thing about that is that if we don't have the ability to determine what we're feeling, which is highly varied, you know, anytime you check in, it could be different, but most likely there's patterns. And if we don't develop the ability to do that, when we're in a semi, you know, calm state, then when you're in an activated state, you're feeling really stressed, you're in conflict with something, you're in a meeting and you get called on, you know, like someone says, Hey, I really need your help with this thing. Can you take this on your plate? And you're expected to give an answer. You won't be able to answer with any integrity of your body. You know, you're just going to be from the neck up. And I'm very passionate about helping women, especially live in their body and get out of their heads, you know, and especially just the ability to say yes or no, they feel mm. very differently. Yes in the body and that mm -hmm. literacy of like, how is that sensation different? And the listeners might be like, wow, this is a little woo. No. I don't know what they're saying, but it's very practical. Some point as a child, mm -hmm. you knew what your yes and your no were. My, my kids are in elementary mm. school and they know their yes and their no. Do you want pizza? Their answer is explosive. It's yeah. celebratory. It's yeah. sheer joy. <laughs> it's, it's like, undeniable expression, mm. their whole body says yes. If it's, you know, something else, right. And their answer is no. Can you please eat your broccoli? Then, you know, it is this, like, it's not gray. It is black or white. And as adults mm. now, what we do is we sort of filter in, well, how does this make them feel mm. against what do they expect of me? Absolutely. And, you know, I call it, um, I call this work, my, 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 the movement I want to create in the world. A part mm. of it is the good woman rebellion, because mm -hmm. I really want to see women, especially in leadership, just answer the question, what do I need? And not pose it against the perfection paradox of what mm. should I do when mm. you're trying to say yes or no, because yeah. it, it shows up with even what do you want for dinner? You know? Yeah. I, I mean, so many times yeah. you, I, I know I've been asked that question and I don't even know what the answer is. Right. Cause I've been right. so focused on other things that I don't even know what my body is craving or needing or asking for by the time dinner comes, you know, right? it's, it's sad, but you know, it's just, it's the, just the routine of life. And you mentioned, um, empowering good women, or the good the women, good revolution. woman rebellion, rebellion. Yeah. I said yeah. revolution. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I love that because, you know, we can have more women that are connected with their yes and their no in leadership. How, how much more powerful is that going to be for the organizations and the teams that they, that they manage and that you know, just the leadership component itself, right? How inspiring will that be for others? Right. And, you know, if we really look at the statistics right now, the number of females in graduate school, the number of females in medical school is very predominantly female, right? Mm. So our professional, the next wave of professionals is going to be majority female without a doubt. Mm. The future is female. I wear the t-shirt proudly and, you know, I, I really that, yeah. believe in it. And I think that we are 
um, meant to be connected to our bodies and we're meant to be the role models. We're meant to be the community leaders. And, you know, I think that a woman that knows her, first of all, her values and then lives her life by those values that determines her limits of energy, of time, mm -hmm. of what capacity she has, because she's not going to compromise on those values that she right. has for this life. So many of the women that I've worked with, like, you know, huge um, earnings in their professional career and in material possessions of multiple homes and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I'll ask the question, like, what is this all about? What's it mm -hmm. for? What's the end point? There's really not commonly a great answer to that. Um, mm. and, and this feeling of contentment really doesn't have to be attached with acquisition. It can happen today, right now we can have it. And so, yeah, women that are showing up at work to be an authentic, like authenticity and integrity to themselves, mm -hmm. that is amazing, right? Because they're not just going to do it at, at work. They're going to do it at home. They're going to be teaching their children, boys and girls, how to do that. It's, that is the wave of the future. And I just want to make one little mm -hmm. point yeah. to listeners that everything we're saying here is mm -hmm. very hundred percent equal if you're a stay-at-home mom yeah, because you're still absolutely. the leader of you know you're a, you're a home manager that's right the organization so yeah. I specifically work with working women but all of this is like almost even more important if you aren't in the workforce because you have such right. an influence on your family and you having those limits and not just giving away all of your right. resources is so, so important. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's, you know, it's 24 seven. If, if you, if you're, you know, if you're not working out of the home, you're working at home, it's you're it's constant. It's you're constantly in that role of caring, caring for the home, for the children, for the significant other, or, uh, you know, it's, it's that. And even when we, don't right it's we're so used to it that we can't um set those boundaries of when when our time our me time can can start or we feel guilty for even taking time because there's so much to do at home right fear of judgment shame of not fulfilling the perfection mm -hmm. paradox it runs really deep and from my own childhood, mm -hmm. if I share a story of that, I mean, yes, I think please. for all of us, just like, let's take a moment here um, to realize that driving a car, opening a bank account, owning a home, having your own job, right? We're talking late 60s, 70s before some of these things mm. were legal. Absolutely. So when yeah. we think about like, our grandmothers, you know, like somewhere between two and three generations ago, mm -hmm. they were in relationships out of necessity, even if they were fully happy. Um, their job was caretaking. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, a lot of women in my childhood tolerated a lot of emotional neglect. They didn't ask for much. They were, you know, a strong woman was one who did it all, managed mm -hmm. everything without complaining. Mm -hmm. And I didn't grow up in, from my perspective, I mean, this is just from my perspective, yeah. but seeing the women in my family living from a place of joy, of contentment, of being filled up by the quote unquote labor they were doing. And so it really right. has made me wonder as I've come into adulthood and really informed my work that I think we're in a crisis of role models. Hmm. I have maybe oh. two friends of all the people that I've surveyed that would say, oh no, my mom had those limits, had mm. those boundaries, always had time for herself, always filled her mm. own cup, expressed joy every day, laughed out loud, danced in her body, mm. right? Um, embodied herself and, and wasn't selfless and sacrificial. Mm. And that's not anybody's fault. They were doing exactly what they were supposed yeah. to do. Yeah. But yeah. we need more of those role models. And Absolutely. I think it's, it's our and the next generations that mm. are going to be that. Yeah. You know, that, that brings up uh, something that, yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I mean, it hasn't been that long, right. Since just being a woman, you know, we were <laughs> limited by, you know, from doing so many things that now we take for granted. Um, and 
it's it's we're still very much you know like you said this generation we're still breaking those cycles and but they come up you know even though we can now vote and we have we can have a bank a bank account and we can um we can own a home right but now we're de- we we're, we're still dealing with the residue of that restriction right of of having to to put our needs our joy our embodiment aside because you know there's and we were you know women were survival mode right just taking care of their family and doing the best that they that they could so we're still very much breaking those cycles and it hasn't been that long i mean i just think about my grandma this was just two generations ago, you know, she had that idea you mentioned, feeling like I have to just take this, right? I have to stay in this marriage. You know, I remember very clearly her, her um, saying to me, well, you know, I didn't want to be with your with your grandfather. You know, I knew very early, but who was going to take me with so many kids? You know, who was going to uh-huh. want me with so many kids? So she stayed, uh-huh. you know, in that marriage and, until the very end. So it hasn't been that long. And I think that's a good reminder for the listeners to bring in compassion to their journey, to themselves, and to, to bring that sense of, of um, perspective that we're, we're navigating so much, you know, and, and for me, my, my personal experience is as a first generation, um, for being, sorry, being first generation here in, in, in the U.S., um, you know, so for me, there's, there's, uh, you know, just, I, I identify with, with other obstacles, right. Just from my, my mom mm-hmm. and, and my grandparents not being in this country. So I'm the first one that really born and raised here. Um, and I know so many of my listeners can relate to that. So we're, we're, as women, we're, we're navigating so much. So I just want to acknowledge that and, and, and just bringing that compassion, right. To, to us, to women, mm-hmm to it's everything hard. that we've gone through. It is so hard yeah. to be that cycle breaker, to yeah. be the one that says, nope, mm-hmm. not for me. Mm-hmm. It's not for me. Right. And, and I can honor with deep love all of those who came mm. before me. And I can also see how that wasn't serving their, their highest self, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, or for you listeners that it, that choosing or choosing to live the same way doesn't serve your higher self. Um, you don't have to make a judgment of, of, of if it did or didn't others, yeah. but you get to choose for yourself without an apology or explanation, you know? Oh, Chris, and I love that. Yeah. I guess here's one thing that listeners could try. So mm-hmm. in my, um, you know, in the work that I do, I like to say that it's an intersection of three things. And we've kind of touched on a couple of these so far. One of them is just mm-hmm. women's health. Mm-hmm. And that's because the older we get, the more responsibilities we add, the more vulnerable we are to chronic right. stress because we have things like, you know, dropping estrogen, you know, your sleep, your energy, your sex drive, your mental focus. It's all really more vulnerable when you get into your forties and beyond. So women's health is one really like having the skills and support to address that the mind body tools to take a body first approach to get out of your head and say, what do I need? Like, what do I actually need here? And just sitting with the question, even if you just don't feel like you have any answers. And the third one is really this cultural lens, this feminist approach of identifying that we have grown up in this highly Mm. complex, traumatizing society, and that we don't have to choose it for ourselves. And we definitely don't have to perpetuate it to the next generation. Mm. And one thing that listeners can do that I think is super practical. Mm-hmm. The next time someone says like, here's an expectation, or can you do this for me? Or here's a to-do you're writing on your to-do list. I want you to just stop, go inside that amazing body of yours and listen. And what I found in myself initially, as I was doing this work mm-hmm. and with my clients is that there's a voice that comes up that says, I don't have the energy for it. No, I don't want to do it. Or that's not really my responsibility. And Mm. then, and then rushes in this generational Mm. voice, this other script that says what you should do it anyways, just push through, suck it up, buttercup. Mm. Right. Um, 
so-and-so did so much more than you with so much less, like the comparison to other women in our lives or in our families. So that script, that voice that comes in when you deny your true answer is something to put a magnifying glass to and observe and ask, where did this come from? And is it familial? Did I inherit this? Mm. Do I want to keep it? Right. Wow. Yeah. Just visualizing what you just said just brought you know a sense of, of almost like relief or rest, like, we, you know, almost like a reminder that we are allowed to take those, those breaks. And, and what you described, I get the sense that it could happen within, you know, a minute, you know, I mean, we can actually do it does it doesn't take that long. It's just taking that pause, right to remember to take that pause in between the request and the action that we take mm -hmm. the pause. You know, it's like you're, it's, it's, it's bathing suit season. You walk in front of that mirror and you catch a glimpse of yourself and suddenly you hear this very critical mm. comment and it's like, do we even notice it? Do we call it out and mm -hmm. say, well, wait a minute, mm -hmm. who said that? And, mm -hmm. and pausing, having mm -hmm. compassion that, wow, that was, that was hurtful. Yeah. Yeah. And absolutely. then, and then replacing it, mm. right. I love my body. I'm whatever, you know, yeah, something yeah. loving and, and compassionate, something neutral. And it's no different when we're talking about how we spend our time hmm. or our energy. And, you know, it's like, I have two daughters, so all this is, you know, so important to me. Mm -hmm. And, and it's a good framing, I think for listeners too, if some of this seems really hard to wrap your head around, think about what you would want a child to do. Would you want a child mm. to, you know, refuse their own needs, their body's mm. own? No, no, mm -hmm. you would want them to speak up. You would want them to right. embody what they think. And, um, and there's no, there's no difference. We yeah. deserve the same. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we all have that inner child within, you know, it's, it's there. And, and sometimes it, yeah. it comes out as that, that compassionate voice, you know, or we can connect to that through that compassionate voice. We can, but it requires um, to be able to discern that, that voice of, um, like you said, the generational uh, patterning that we've been so conditioned to receive versus your intuition, and then bringing in that compassion to, to our, that little one within, because ultimately, mm -hmm. you know, when we say those, these hurtful things, like when we see ourselves in the mirror, you know, I, I always found it helpful to, to imagine that I'm saying them to that little one within. Mm -hmm. And if you, mm -hmm. you mentioned your children that since having, you know, since becoming a mom, that has been a lot easier for me also, because I have now, a, you know, a little one that I would never say those hurtful things to, right? Mm -hmm. um, so connecting to my to you to my inner child has been a lot easier since since becoming a mom, and and I think um, it it just the more again going back to the practice, the more you do this, the more natural it will feel, right? And the more we can incorporate it throughout your day, and you can catch it, like you can actually build your awareness to this critical voice within you that it's not your mm -hmm. it's not your it's not there for your highest good right you know, is, is there to preserve these cycles because that these cycles kept us safe and, and alive right absolutely for some of the listeners but I think even if you're just dealing with stress mm -hmm. you feel stressed at times if you feel overwhelmed at times just to consider that that feeling of overwhelm, I mean, as kids, like overwhelmed so much, right? Exposed to big emotions of adults, complicated situations, and not really, you know, knowing or being able to verbalize what our needs were, or in some cases, the needs were not fulfilled. And that doesn't mean the parent was like intentionally not fulfilling it, but maybe they weren't capable. Maybe there were lots of kids. Maybe there was, they were yeah. working a lot, right? Maybe Absolutely. they had a health condition, but mm. the opportunity for me and my mm -hmm. own recovery and mm -hmm. what I want for all women is that 
like the the path you walk of burnout recovery mm. or stress recovery is one mm. of reclaiming that child, that inner mm. child. I love that. Because it's we so get beautiful. to hear our hear our needs, mm. feel our needs in our body. What am I feeling in my body? And what do I need? Mm. And then allowing it, that allowing that you have those needs and then fulfilling them. Mm such a circle. Absolutely. So beautiful. And, and Crystal, I, I know that one of the, the methods that you use is, is called somatic attunement. And that's something that, that you developed. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yeah. Can you tell yeah. us a little bit, or I don't know if you, if you shared already uh, mm-hmm. some of the strategies within that method, but can you tell us a little bit more about the somatic attunement that you, that you yeah. developed? So somatic or soma, it means body. And obviously from what I've said, I'm really um, passionate about Mm -hmm. women learning how to connect to their bodies, to have body literacy, to be able to understand what sensations they're feeling in their body and what it means, and then be able to respond. So initially when I work with clients who are in like acute burnout situations, either their health is at risk, their career is at risk, or in a relationship is at risk. I Mm -hmm. um, work with them to figure out what to pull out. Like we can't add anything in. There's no adding more here. We have to remove and we really strategically and carefully do that together so that they can breathe, so that they can stop feeling like a tiger is stalking them all the time where they're on high alert and their memory is disrupted and, you know, they're their gut is upset and, you know, all these things are going on. And then from there, there's a space to breathe and to kind of see what's next. And it's that mm-hmm. point where people have the tendency to fill back up the time. And, you know, it's, it's cultivating the sense of what am I feeling and what do I need? What are my values and how do I live those? Am I worthy of my vision? Does my vision give me aliveness for my life? And how do I take baby steps that I have within my capacity right now to move towards that? And so women are smart. They're resourceful. They're um, intuitive. And, you know, uh, there's no lack of intelligence. Mm -hmm. But I think we need a different tool bag. We don't need someone outside of us telling us what we should or shouldn't do. There's no quote unquote true blueprint Mm -hmm. for dealing with overwhelm or stress. And I really have a beef with like quote unquote Mm self-care. I think it's, it's crap to be honest with you that a lot of women, it just adds more shame that Mm -hmm. they can't do it. And we just need these micro tools that in the moment, we can go within and understand. And a lot of the the practices I end up giving clients, they just last one minute at the most, maybe five. What people need are actionable steps they can take to Mm. feel more, you know, physically Mm -hmm. comfortable and energized, emotionally joyful, present and content and mentally calm, clear and creative so they can focus. Mm. And they want to do the minimal amount Mm-hmm. to get to that. Mm-hmm. And that's really the somatic attunement method. It's mm. the body tells you the way. And once you learn those skills, your body tells you what, as it's changing, right? Mm. So, um, my husband got sick after my daughter got sick. So I'm single parenting. A lot of stuff was going on in my life, super intense recently. And I could tell my capacity was going down, like my capacity yeah, to answer yeah. texts was mm, going down. Yeah. Right. And so I am aware of that. And I responded to what was happening in my body and that allowed more mm. resilience. Right. Then I'm in active recovery without mm. a lot of effort, like without right. adding things into my schedule. So, you know, it's just that sort of skill set is what the somatic attunement mm. method is. Oh, I love it. Well, it sounds powerful. And, and thank you for, for sharing that. Um, you know, one of the things that I think a lot of people, you know, when, when you mentioned self-care and, and your thoughts on that, and I agree, you know, I, I feel that there is, um, 
it's just it's a term that is it's overused generalized and it doesn't really you know doesn't really give you a concrete sense of 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 what you need for somatically right which is at the core of burnout it's at the core of feeling that fatigue uh in my field in the mental health field we call it compassion fatigue you know we just get you know just emotionally drained and we have no more we don't have a capacity to give to our to our clients right so and it, and it's a serious epidemic, you know. Uh-huh. I, I feel like just the burnout and and the the fatigue that we feel. And and you mentioned the texting, like when you don't even feel like responding to a text, like, wow, like you know. And and how many times have we felt that, right? Like we have no no capacity to even reply back, and uh-huh. um, and then we feel guilty for that. <laughs> But, you know, so, but thank you for, for sharing. And I think the, the work that you're, that you're creating is so, so needed and is so critical for everyone to, to get it, (laughs) to, to learn it, to get it, to practice it. Thank you. Equally, I am very grateful for the work that, that you're putting out there. Oh, thank you. So important. Uh, and, and Crystal, tell us about your book. Uh, you you mentioned to me that you're writing a book. So congrats. That's so exciting. Yeah. <laughs> so excited yeah. for you on this journey. I know it's not an easy one, but you're doing it. Can you tell us a little bit about your your book and what we can expect from it? Yeah. Well, first of all, if you ever want to really deal with imposter syndrome, Mm -hmm. write a book because Mm. every page it comes up, like, do I have to cite that? Can can this just be my idea? Do I have to Google and make Mm. sure no one else has ever said anything Mm. like that? Like, it's just such an interesting process, but Mm. I am thrilled. And my inspiration is just, um, to get some of these basic first steps into the hands of more women. So the book is called Revive, The Working Woman's Unexpected Guide to Recover Mm. from Burnout. And it says, you know, working women's, but as we've said, really it applies to all women. And uh, it really is an acronym. Revive is a six-step process Mm -hmm. that's an acronym that is an offer that I have. So Revive is a two-day VIP day where mm. it's it's um, a process that I have, but it's also like bespoke. I customize each step and more with clients. And, mm. and that is the first initial way that you can work with me privately. So if you're interested in that, we'll tell you where you can go for the listeners. But the book is taking you through a very similar process, all six mm-hmm. steps. And, you know, for those people who want that one-on-one personal support, I am, it's a privilege to do that. And also I don't want that to be a gatekeeper, Mm -hmm. like a a roadblock, I should say, um, for people accessing the support. And I really think that from what I've seen, you know, that this three-part approach that I bring with bringing in the body really taking on this cultural lens as we examine our lives and Mm -hmm. look at the generational patterns that are relevant to us and then unlearning them. We can't just be aware. We actually have to deconstruct them. And also understanding women's health and what's specific to us and our bodies. We need that information and it needs to be, um, the book is meant to be consumable. It's not a heady book. I want Mm -hmm people who are actually in burnout to be able to pick it up and move through mm. it and benefit with every page. So mm. it's not, you know, um, going deep into science and yeah, no, th- th- yeah, all the no, geeky abs- stuff that I love. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, absolutely. Well, yeah. and when does it come out? Well, I am, um, I am not a hundred percent sure if um, listeners want to make sure they access it mm-hmm. um, and I'll probably be like pre-releasing um, the intro and the first chapter through my email list, that would be yeah. the best way mm-hmm. or, um, you know, it's the best way to get updates and everything yeah. um, for the listeners. But I would love for everyone to get the book, apply the first six steps and anytime that you're feeling stressed or overwhelmed about anything to go to this framework because it will get you out of that and help you feel 
grounded Mm -hmm. and in control, not just of the situation, but in who you are. Okay, wonderful. Well, I can't wait for that. And, and, you know, how can people stay in touch with you connect with you on, uh, you mentioned your, your list, your email list, and do you have a social media? Can you share with us your handles? Yeah. So my website is crystalfrizzy.com and you'll share that link in show notes. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then my handle across all channels is at Dr. Crystal Frizzy. And if you want, um, some support right now, I have mm-hmm. a free resource you can get on my website. It's a stress and overwhelm relief game plan. And it's, um, two resources, one you get right away. And the second, one you get the next day, something simple that you could do right now, that will absolutely help you feel like you've got some more space in your life. Oh, wonderful. Well, Crystal, this was a wonderful conversation that I had with you. I enjoyed everything we talked about. I know the listeners are going to get so much out of the wisdom that you shared with us. Oh, thank you. It's yeah. my honor to be a guest on your show and to be here with all of your listeners. So thanks for those of you tuning in. I really hope you got some pearls mm. and um, yeah, just so grateful. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah Crystal and you, you're welcome anytime, Aww. especially when your book is coming out. <laughs> we'll love to have you back and, and talk about that. Okay, Crystal, we'll take care and, and we'll talk soon. Great. Bye. I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope that you found it healing and nourishing to your mind and soul. If there's a friend that you think would benefit from listening to this information, please share it. Share about our podcast. If you feel called to, please leave us a review as this really, really helps boost our presence here in Apple Podcasts and it makes it easier for others to find us to stay up to date on new episode releases and special events and projects that I'm working on. You can follow us on Instagram at Inner Healing Paths Podcast, and you can subscribe to my newsletter by going to my website, which is rosachettilcsw.com. And I will include this information and links in the show notes. Once again, thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to sharing with you again next time.